The healthcare industry in the United States can feel like a slow moving, bureaucratic, dysfunctional mess. But the question is, what is the best way to activate a digital transformation that leads to better care for people? Sean Duffy, the co-founder and CEO of Omada Health, suggests that fitting innovative digital care into the current model is the best strategy to make the most constructive change. I've grown centered with a truth, which is there are just immutable laws of physics in the US healthcare system. You have to make what you do fit in and get creative around it. Don't pretend that there's going to be some magic new implementation strategy that's going to work. We're dealing with decades of regulatory and technological infrastructure in the U.S. healthcare system that you got to fit into. If a city has parks, that's a good thing because the intention is for people to enjoy nature and outdoor activity. If the parks have problems like graffiti on the playground equipment or the lawns are not regularly mowed, the solution is to not raise all parks to the ground. Instead, it's to work within the city's government in order to make things better. The same thing is true for healthcare. Accepting the realities of the healthcare system is the initial step to making adjustments to make care better for everyone. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Sean explains how Omeda Health is working within the US healthcare system to improve experiences and outcomes for patients. He describes how Omeda is able to use the data it is accumulating to make adjustments in patient care. Sean also shares how his unique career trajectory has put him in a position in order to foster connections between the tech and healthcare industries. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today, special guest, co-founder and CEO of Amada Health, Sean Duffy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Albert, for having me on. Happy to be here. Sean, right out the gate, I have a personal interest in health, but go ahead and tell everybody what your company does and what problems it's looking to solve. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, yeah. hi, everybody. I'm Sean Duffy. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Omada Health. We are a digital care provider, uh, and we specialize in those disease areas where it's crystal clear that you can deliver the vast majority of care without dragging a patient into a waiting room. Right now, we focus on pre-diabetes, diabetes, hypertension, behavioral health, so depression, anxiety, uh, as well as physical therapy and musculoskeletal disease. In every one of those, getting the right care is not only hugely painful from an experience standpoint, you got to take time off of work, schedule appointments, but it doesn't allow you to optimize quickly. So um, uh, that is the charter, and we're going to keep swinging and keep dreaming big until we've helped a lot of people. So give us an example, because you named off a couple uh, like uh, disease states or problem states. Give us an example of why these are more able to be diagnosed and cared for online versus versus in person. Absolutely. So, you know, Amada, I mean, we're not going to be doing hip surgeries uh, anytime soon. You do need <laughs> you do need physical contact with the body. But I think, uh, frankly, we've all had our own like personal care experiences where the ask from the system is like, oh, well, book a visit. Why don't you come in for that? And and the thought crosses, wait, really? Like, you need me to come in just to check my blood pressure? Like, isn't there an easier way here? And so I'll, I'll give you one example, which is diabetes. So if you have type 2 diabetes right now, technically, your primary care doc is responsible for delivering that care. But the issue is, in order to improve health, you really need a lot of quick iterations on your care plan. You need to look at where someone's sugars are, think about how their meds are adjusting, think about their diet, help them maybe lose a little bit of weight. And you need to do that very, very rapidly on a day-to-day basis to get to outcomes. In the current ecosystem, it's like, well, book a visit. Well, great. That's three weeks away. Then you go there. Then it's like, well, maybe why don't you come back in in six months? Uh, that's six months. So you don't have that. You don't have that cycle. 
And so it's really um, an in-person setting gets in the way of delivering care. And there's no need to have contact with the, the human body in, in diabetes care very regularly to deliver a lot from afar. Yeah. What percentage, I guess, of regular hospital or doctor visits are in this category? Have you done any studies on that? We have. My belief system is that if you look at the kind of primary care level, about 50 to 60% of the visits that a primary care doc in today's world would, would do could be done remotely. So in, in-person care is hugely important. And that's why Omada is really focused on these areas where it's just clear that the vast majority of what needs to be done can be done from afar. So we can complement the primary care clinicians uh, and really support their care experience with their patients. I mean, this sounds fascinating because I know exactly what you mean. I have three kids. So we're a family of five, me and my wife, whether we're going for ourselves, for our children or my, you know, my in-laws or my actual mom. If we go to the hospital, it's a, it's a painful process. You typically go to a waiting room, you're 45 minutes, maybe like 40, 45, like, you know what I mean? The doctor will see you at eight. That means you show up at eight. You don't get seen till I don't know, 930, but you actually just go sit on a table at 930 at 945. The doctor walks in, you're there for like six minutes. Meanwhile, you're, you're messaging your colleagues. Like, I'm going to be late to that next meeting. Yeah. And I thought I built enough buffer, but the U.S. healthcare system didn't do it for me. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I thought you had a doctor's appointment at nine. It's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm literally just sitting on this white sheet. <laughs> DMV, doctor's office. Nothing's happening. Yeah, exactly. We all understand the pain of this process. So give us an idea. What is different about this? Because on the surface, I think people are imagining this is just a virtual conference. Like, well, I mean, what is this? Because there's certain tests, like you mentioned, that have to be done to demonstrate certain things. Obviously, you can't do a, like, I can't give a bio sample over a virtual, but give us an idea, like what makes the platform unique? Because uh, that's that's where I want our audience to understand what you guys are delivering. Absolutely, and, you know, in phone calls or video visits, I mean, that's that's table six. This is where technology, uh, you know, incredible engineering and design, you know, and data science can really make a huge difference. Meets connected devices, so uh, you know, as I dig into some technology, it's always a moment to plug. Omada is hiring, hiring, hiring in all areas, especially engineering, and it's to do and deliver care experiences like the following. Let's say you know you have diabetes. In the current ecosystem, you know, you book a visit, you know, with a provider, maybe they say, hey, you should go pick up a glucometer from Walgreens, test your blood sugars, maybe write them down. If you notice any of these trends, maybe come back. The Omada experience is completely the opposite where, you know, you sign up, you have diabetes. Firstly, we're, we're writing you a script for a continuous glucose monitor. We're mailing you a cellular connected scale, a blood pressure cuff, a blood glucose meter. You don't have to go anywhere. It arrives. It's pre-configured over the cellular network just to work with your account. There's no like pairing with your Wi-Fi network. So you've got, you get your CGM itself. You self-apply it. That's called a continuous glucose monitor. You, it's a little patch. You put it on your arm. It gives a real-time feed of your blood glucose readings. You're opening the app experience. You're meeting your primary health coach. You're meeting your certified diabetes educator. They're reviewing the data as it comes in. You don't even need to preactively look. They're looking for you and they're bringing back insights they may notice that you need a medication change based on the sugar readings. Instead of saying, hey, we need you to book an appointment with your primary care doc, they say, how, how, how about one of our clinicians just does that right now for you? In the exact same app experience, you're doing a chat. You don't even need to, you can do a video call or voice call. The doctor's evaluating your CGM readings and your medication needs by chat and pushes it right to your pharmacy. Very different experience. So it's beyond that. The virtual, like you said, just the table stakes. You're talking about your company takes care of 
personalized devices so you can handle your measures, your tests, your medical applications, so that all this data is then delivered to the doctor. Your processing engine is probably like helping them understand what's happening to you in real time, alerting systems to make it easier to basically be proactive. Because the old way of health, one of the things, everyone who's got a dad, mostly dads, some moms have experienced this. People like are terrible at self-reporting anything. How many times are you exercise a week? Oh, five. It's like, no, I've never seen you move. <laughs> and so that's how medicine has been done for a long time, which is like, oh, I just, I'm trusting. I gave you the medicine. Did you take it? Like, no, doctor isn't. The doctor doesn't know. They're just hoping you took it. This is a little different. Like how many times have you, monitored, you know, checked your blood sugar? I check it every day. It's like, no, now you know whether this is happening. You know, the care, the system can put so many operational burdens on people. That's like, you need to do this. You need to come in and get your A1C test. You should book an appointment. Like what? And that doesn't work, especially in diseases where they tend to be not highly symptomatic. So you can have diabetes and you might not feel it, but bit by bit, minute by minute, your body and like the micro tissue in your body, it's rusting thanks to your diabetes. That's the best analogy. So that really builds up over time. Damage is happening in the background, but you may not actually feel it. So in that world, You've got your kid's stalker practice at you know 3 p.m. on Thursday. Like you've got to manage dinners, childcare, COVID, work. Like the idea that you're going to pull up and spend the time and and call and spend 15 minutes on hold with the office staff to book an appointment. You know, three weeks out for your primary care doc to just have a look at how your sugars are doing. That's not going to happen. So people fall through cracks. So the idea is, well, let's just reverse that. Let's bring as much care as humanly possible into the pocket and make it as easy as possible. All you need to do is sign up. We got the rest. We're, we're constantly watching out for you in a proactive way, helping understand your goals. And, and we've got your back, you know, day by day. Talk about a little bit of how did you get this idea? Because we did a little homework on you. We read a little article about you in Doctorpreneurs. Never heard of the site, but it's pretty fascinating, <laughs> right? We read an interview. said you self-proclaimed computer nerd. You love technology. Your mom was a nurse. You studied neuroscience at Columbia. So how did you end up building software? Yeah, well, so I, I loved, I just loved computers growing up. The the fun era where like your computer would have a turbo button, and I was quite my like. I think I wore sweatpants through junior year in high school until like my sister was like, "You Sean, you got to switch to jeans here." Like, just love, <laughs> like I was like computer nerd growing up. I loved it, loved computers. Studied neuroscience, was interested in healthcare. Graduated in 06. That was just a remarkable time in Silicon Valley. I thought I would either have to pick tech or healthcare. So I, I worked at Google for a couple of years. Realized that maybe the worlds weren't black and white. Um, I went to medical school in this MD MBA program, thinking I would do something in tech meets healthcare. And then as I progressed through that, took an internship at IDEO back in the valley, and then um, got the idea behind Omada. And the idea was was just to think through ways where you could build a very evidence based digital health company that really focused on technological excellence. So talk about how did you get how did you get started? So you you know you're working for these different companies. You you decide to make the leap. What was the catalyst for you to say, like, all right, I'm doing it. This is going to be my thing. Well, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur of some sort, but I didn't know anything about the business of the US healthcare system <laughs> um, uh, or, or frankly, business generally. I mean, I, had, I was in an MD, MBA, but I hadn't done any of the MBA. By the way, had you known, you probably wouldn't have started because uh, there's no a way. lot of roadblocks. There's no, there's no, there's no way. <laughs> Especially in healthcare. I mean, healthcare has very complex go-to-markets. It's like, it's not, a, it's not for the faint of heart. What ended up happening is I just had a reflection that my conversations with my, you know, my former colleagues from Google were just so different than my medical school classmates. Yeah. How are they different? Yeah. I mean, it was like early days of wearables and, you know, on the tech side, I was like, oh my gosh, all these 
you know, things are going to change healthcare. And then the medical side was just um, very skeptical. I was like, well, where's the peer reviewed trials? Where are the guidelines that support this? Like, it felt that the worlds needed to hear each other a bit better. And so the idea was, all right, well, clearly technology can make a difference in care, but like where, why, and specifically, what are you trying to achieve? Me and my um, co-founder, we just got dead set on exploring disease areas where we just knew technology could not be incrementally better, but 10x better, where you could deliver an extraordinarily differentiated clinical experience leveraging technology and diabetes and metabolic disease became the interest area for us uh, as a start because it's extraordinarily problematic for our country. The trajectory that we're on is just very sad. And it's just clear that without a digital intervention that changes the experience in the ways that we just talked about, uh, you know, we weren't going to get there for the country. So that just led to Amada. We just kept running. Yeah. So you dove, it's, I mean, you, you can saw the opportunity, you saw the need. You mentioned before that your mom was a nurse. So you saw the need. And I agree with you. The general health outcomes of Americans right now, it, it appears to be getting worse every year. Yep. Obesity, diabetes, a lot of the long term chronic cardiovascular disease, they're all on the rise. Nothing's falling at this time. And at the same time, medical billing, medical expenses, time to care, all of that's rising. This is a disastrous trend. So you come in and you say, this is how I want to do it. Did you right away know, like, this is how you were going to do it? Like you were going to say, Hey, I need to build a virtual platform. It's, this is going to, we're going to treat people virtually. We're going to, I need to be able to better monitor what people are doing and making sure that the data is getting to the doctors. Was it always the original goal? Was it originally like we were just going to do telemedicine? How are you thinking about solving the problem at that time? Yeah. You know, what's funny. So like the classic kind of IEO approach is always don't even do anything until you like talk to a bunch of people and like imagine how your product or service would fit into their world. So, you know, me and my co-founder, before we had a single line of code written, we just went through homes and uh, places like, you know, Georgia, uh, you know, areas with high obesity and diabetes prevalence and like listen to what people's care experiences were like with these diseases. And it just became so clear that there was not going to be a silver bullet. So that was, um, that was kind of reflection number one. And at that moment, and frankly, still to this day, you saw many companies that were capabilities. It's like, look, you know, I've got a cellular connected scale or, or connected scale. Great. I can set you up with a coach. I can set you up with a community. I've got a great tracking tool or app. And what we recognized was that you kind of had to have it all, which was a harrowing thing, but you need the device data coming in. Of course, you need tracking. You need social community. You need a content experience. You need a full care team and people accountability. So we decided to just like roll up our sleeves and build all the needed pieces to deliver a care experience that didn't like over-index on one particular capability. When you first started, I'm assuming, was it just doctors to patients? Was it employers to uh, employees? And how did you first approach this three-pronged market? Yeah, so we're, we're an enterprise company that gets our programs and, and capabilities reimbursed um, and that you know, allows anyone to have access to them. And so then, then it becomes, well, all right, well, what, what are the value drivers to get either health plans or self-insured employers that are paying for the cost of the care for their employees excited for what we do? So we spun up um, a, build, a really big research engine to produce peer-reviewed you know, research and literature showing definitively that our programs work as well as save money. So that needed to happen in background. And you're hitting on something which is a real tricky thing. It's like the chicken or the egg of like, well, great. In order to get some data and proof points, you need a customer. But in order to get a customer, you need data and proof points. <laughs> so Yeah. And you need a doctor uh, in all of this too. <laughs> yeah. You, and then you need the whole care team to support what you do. And there's a, you know, technology components where it's like, 
the minimum viable product for Amada is pretty heavy because we've coined a term called the minimum clinically viable product, which is like, what's the threshold where it actually will clinically work? It's a little bit of a higher bar. So like any company that's getting going from the beginning, it's just a little bit of prayer and saying the same story a lot and finding people that just believe in the vision are willing to make a bet on you and the company. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but based on what you're saying, it sounds like getting people aligned to this was probably almost harder than the technology to support it. Am I wrong in that? Because I'm trying to gather from what you're saying. I, though, of course, on behalf of Amada, spend a ton of my time on the enterprise and commercial side and go to market side. By disposition, I love product and I love technology. So as funny as it sounds, it always felt like the easy piece. Whereas like figuring out how to commercialize within the US healthcare system is like, wow. Like I always joke that chasing the dollar in the US healthcare system is like the game in Harry Potter Quidditch with the golden snitch. Like understanding incentive structures, the different stakeholders, the regulatory landscape, that is very challenging. Um, and there's no shortcuts. Obviously, you got over this hurdle, but inevitably, when we hear technical founders that come on the show, they talk about when you know they're building their companies. Inevitably, they hit this like massive roadblock where it makes you like question, <laughs> like questions. Like I, I think one of our guests said it in the past. Like it makes you question your will to survive. It's like should I even do this anymore? It's often not a technical problem. It's a problem like you suggested, which is it's a non-technical problem because you feel like I can code a solution, but I can't get over this hurdle. Did you ever feel that way? Or were you like so focused, lasered in on the mission, like no amount of hurdles like bother you? Because this is, you're going through a lot of red tape. If you're fighting the US healthcare system, that's a lot of red tape. I'm sure a lot of compliance paperwork you probably did that you couldn't believe you had to do. I'm sure a lot of the stuff wasn't even allowed. They didn't accept e-signature. I know the the healthcare system can be quite antiquated. Thankfully, this changed in 2013. But imagine trying to recruit engineers to Amada saying, sorry, because of what we do, you can't use AWS. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> thankfully, they, you know, they started to allow companies that you know, were covered entities and you know, they became compliant with HIPAA. But um, it isn't for the faint of heart. I think the, to your question on roadblocks, I mean, there's always, when you're growing a company, I mean, that's the, every year, it's a challenge. And you're, you know, the way I describe it in the early stages, it's almost like, how frequently some something tries to like kill your baby and your enterprise. And when you're little, it's like every two weeks, something tries to like attack it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? And then it goes to like every quarter and like maybe every six months and every year as you scale. Um, and that's how you measure. But, and there's been so many moments where we just had to like flex that extra level of determination. The beautiful thing about healthcare is, and I know my co-founder Adrian would say the same, like you almost are able to better extract yourself on your personal identity from the mission, as strange as that sounds, because you see the impact. And like, you hear the stories of people where they just like, we're not getting any care and this changed their life. And they, you know, they feel better about themselves, their family, their health. Like you become willing to just get hit in the face. (laughs) You're like, you're like, yeah, we're just going to run. We're going to like, someone needs to try to get beyond any challenge here and give this a go for the country. You abstract yourself out of it. You like imagine a baseball field and you're like, do you want somebody and some company swinging really hard at this problem? And then if the answer is yes, like you just get a little bit extra boost in determination in healthcare, despite the extra headwinds and that helps overcompensate. What was that big moment that let you say like, okay, we're, we're this product and our vision is going to change lives. Cause of course you're, you know, when that life-changing moment happens, your product's in its early stages, you know, it gives you a lot of, like you said, a lot of juice to say like, Hey, we can keep building this. This is good. This is what's going to work. What was that moment? Like, what was the technological breakthrough that allowed that moment to happen? 
I mean, man, when, when we started to see some of the clinical outcomes from the product, you know, using like the connected devices and the care team approach and the content and the curriculum, this is going to work. Like clinically, I think we can deliver care in a completely different way. So that was kind of like the will it work moment where once we put all the pieces together and then it, then it becomes like a will it, can you sell it moment? And some of our first contracts, you just like remember how anxiety ridden it was to get them to the finish line and how good you felt. And you're like, you know what, this is like, this is a proper deployment. Like people are paying for this now. (laughs) And then there's the whole like scaling where it's the whole experience of Omada has been that scene on Apollo 13 with like the round CO2 cartridge that needs to fit into the square hole with only the parts on the ship before the like oxygen. That's my favorite scene. It's the best scene. And it's, yeah, yeah. I need you to get these guys back. They're stuck in outer space. And this is all that you have. Like he brings in all the parts. Like this is every single part, piece of material, piece of fabric. This is all we got on the, on the shuttle. It has to be done with this. It has to be done with this. And you and you have to do it fast enough before like the auction depletes, which is your cash when you're a, when yeah, you're, yeah, when exactly. you're a startup. <laughs> That's your bank account. By the way, the, the fact that they got Apollo 13 back to Earth is like, it's got to be among the greatest feats of engineering ever. Just awesome problem solving creativity and a great movie. We go to these you know health plans way back in the day and they're like, oh, you want a contract as a provider? Hmm. Where are your offices? We have none. <laughs> and and you have to like shift the mindset of the market to understand that you can provision care without necessarily having someone come into an office in a physical setting and the gymnastics that we had to go through i mean we literally had to take all of our clinical trials go to the american medical association get the first ever digital specific billing code ever approved in the u.s healthcare system like th- those are the sorts of things that we had to now, like all of our competitors use that same code. <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, That's called second mover advantage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we had to just bludgeon through it and that's, that's just kind of been the story, but it's one of those where like I've grown centered with a truth, which is there are just immutable like laws of physics in the U S healthcare system. These literally are the only parts you have on the ship. Like you have to make what you do fit in and get creative around it. Like, don't pretend that there's going to be some magic, like new implementation strategy that's going to work. Like we're dealing with decades of regulatory and technological infrastructure in the US healthcare system that you got to fit into. Heavy, heavy constraints. I can see that you've overcome the constraints. You've introduced technology. You guys had the vision to say like, hey, let's put, we need, we need something that's, like you kind of said, like the minimum minimum viable clinical, what was it? Minimum clinically viable product. Minimum <laughs> clinically viable product. So you already mentioned like you need connected devices. You need to make sure this data is coming in. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking about this, and I was also recall when I was doing the homework on Omada before the, this call, is how many patients you now have. And I remembered back when I was at Emory, uh, I got my master's in health sciences. A lot of the studies we read were like N1000. Like it was done off of a study, a sample size of N1000. And those were like the medical truths that they would that we would go by. Your N is now what? Half a million? Yeah, half a million and growing fast. Because you're using connected devices, you're connecting actual probably better, more accurate data points than ever been collected before. Because when I would read these studies, like you said, you'd have to get these 1000 people, like if I'm doing, let's say, an impact of diet and BMI. Number one, I have no way to regulate your diet. It was all self-service, self-reported. Then I got to bring in 1,000 people, measure you. And then we do this repeat, repeat, repeat. Over one year, I can say broccoli is better for you than steak, whatever. Uh, but but 
you're collecting data in real time. What are some of the things that are being unlocked like right before our eyes? Because what kind of breakthroughs are happening? Because now there's never been a collection and pooling of data like this uh, before. I mean, it didn't exist. Exactly. Or it's been siloed where it's like, cool, you have this great data set of like weight loss readings. Cool, you have this great data set of- Well, that's N30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, no, it's really, so the, um, and it's really neat. I mean, we have billions of data points now, hundreds of millions of care messages between our teams and our, and we've, and we've um, you know, per the commenter top, we, we've built all the technology platforms to, to support it. So everything's kind of, you know, structured, heading to the same place, which allows you to like study it and do different things more quickly. Um, which, you know, the Omada approach that we call Omada Insights Labs, which is like, you know, it's kind of cross-disciplinary, you know, data science meets product, meets engineering to, you know, all work together to answer some kind of questions that only we could answer to innovate in ways that you could only do when you hit scale. And some of the things that our data science team have explored to give an example, which is like, so this is silly and it's fun, but um, so, okay, let's say you're losing weight. Where would you guess? I'll put you on the spot. Where, where does the mask go? Like where, let's say you lose 20 pounds, where... How does the 20 pounds leave your body? That's got to be through breath and human waste. I don't know. What else could it be? It's, it's breath. You're spot on. It's actually CO2. This is why people that go on keto have terrible breath. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if you go keto, get yourself some mouthwash, man. So you're, you're breathing off CO2 and that's like how mass like leaves your body. So one of our data scientists early on was like, I wonder if we have enough people at Omai, we hit that threshold where literally we can watch if people are weighing in at night and in the morning, can we observe the weight loss with, we have a large enough end count to observe what happens at night as people are breathing off CO2 in their sleep. I don't remember what the actual specific like amount was, but we had enough data that you, that was observable with statistical significance. So like we didn't ever publish that externally. We probably should. Cause I don't think I've never, I've never seen that out in the world, but that, that is one example of things where you're, once you're at scale, if the data is architected correctly and you have the right teams thinking about it, those are the sorts of things you can observe in, in digital care that you just couldn't in an in-person setting. Let's talk a little bit about this thing that you mentioned just a moment ago, which is the Umada Health Insights Lab. I was reading an article about it on TechCrunch. I'd love for you to explain it. This sounds like a really awesome way to get more mind share solving some of the problems using the data that you guys have, but I'd love for you to explain it. Yeah, for sure. So th this has, it's kind of got two purposes. It started internal and then kind of flipped to external in that we found that organically, you know, inside Omada, we had people that saw some of the opportunities like I just shared, where it's like, hey, I wonder if, and it turned out that given our care model that has to involve product, engineering, data science, people, behavioral scientists, that to chase down a lot of those questions, we saw just organically inside Omada, people getting together and being like, hey, Ryan, like, what if we tried this? So the idea was when you see something starting to blossom you know, internally that's delivering innovation for your company and your members and your customers, like pour fuel on it, like brand it, codify it, institutionalize it, like create kind of a membership culture around it. And so it became the Amada Insights Lab where it's a cross-disciplinary effort. You, you know, yes, you've got your day job, but you can contribute to the Insights Lab to answer, to, you know, form hypotheses to test them out. So it's, it, it became a cultural thing. And then um, there were so many cool things that were outputs for that. It tends to be more beneficial versus harmful for companies to just to kind of share externally the world because it draws attention to your company, your brand, what people think about, you know, brings in talent, it like gets customers interested. So we just started taking some of the work that we're doing internally and, you know, building 
you know, external case studies, sharing it with customers. And so, and that, and that also gets people internally proud of it. <laughs> so it kind of reinforces the loop there. So it became a little bit of an innovation engine, you know, at Omada, which has been fun to watch in action. So do the ideas, they don't come from just your own employees. They come from, is it like almost like iTunes platform? Like people, you have a code base, you have database, like you have different things that you can leverage and resource. And as you build with these things, everybody benefits. Is that kind of the concept? I mean, the most common is employees at Omada, but any employee, I mean, you could be a health coach, you could be in the customer support team, like you name it, you could drop ideas and help join this effort. However, as we've shared externally, customers have cool ideas. Uh, you know, they'll be like, whoa, that is really interesting. Something that we found was, what if we help support you in this way? Like maybe we could explore that together for our population. So I don't know that when we launched that, we knew that that was coming, but what we have observed is, in bringing people into the fold, like everyone can think through. I mean, we're all aligned here. The country needs better health outcomes in these areas. And customers might have unique populations that we could learn in new ways on. They might have unique data sets, unique systems, unique approaches that could amplify what we do. So, you know, it's actually uh, furthered our partnerships, uh, you know, with our with our key clients and, and health plans in, in really um, healthy, you know, positive ways. Yeah. I'm still waiting for that connected toilet. <laughs> they're, they're, they're sold, actually. <laughs> I, I, there are, I have seen prototypes of medical device companies working on connected toilets. So, Well, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, obviously everyone goes one and two. Uh, there is plenty of space for compute in there and sensors. So like, oh, oh, totally. Yeah. Just like everyone out there has had to deliver a urine sample. We obviously know major health outcomes are to detectable in urine. Yeah. Google and Alexa assistant inside. Just <laughs> Yeah. Everyone knows that urine can detect a lot of things. Yep. Okay. Well, if you yeah. go to the bathroom every day, so you would get constant monitoring of like your health outcomes. You know, do you know how they used to diagnose uh, diabetes way, way back in the day before you could do, you know, proper urinalysis? No idea. Um, they would, uh, uh, if you can believe it, I'm, I kid you not, clinicians would uh, sip sip some of the urine. No. Yep. Because when you have diabetes, your sugar gets high enough that it just goes, it flows through your kidney. Your kidney can't pull enough back in and, and your urine is sweet. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness. So thank goodness medical innovation <laughs> has progressed because that, that wasn't, yeah, that, I, I wouldn't want to sign up for that. I, I wouldn't have gone to medical school. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of hit on it before. You know, you guys are on a mission to change things up. We have a lot of red tape in our healthcare system, whether it's through the billers, whether it's through employer mandated insurance, whether healthcare, like it's there's just a lot of things that are in the way of us becoming or having better, healthier outcomes. There's policy level problems. There's, of course, lobby problems. I love sugar as much as anybody, but like the sugar lobby is not good for America. Like having people constantly put say sugar's not that bad. Uh, it's impacting a lot of different things. What do you see as the next big thing that, you, you know, whether you're going to tackle it or someone else has to tackle it, that is going to really start changing outcomes because it's still a slow process, right? Like we, as, as much as this technology is there, I'm very confident, you, you know, you have half a million customers. Well, that means there's 300 million plus people that have never done digital health of any type. What do you think's next that needs to get more wide scale adoption? Because I mean, that number right there is pretty staggering, right? Like half a million people are on the platform. That sounds like a lot. Well, there's over 300 million people in the United States. Like, so that's actually not a lot at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and there's 30 million people with diabetes. You know, we're just at the beginning. What needs to happen is starting to happen. So step one, um, we are seeing at the highest of levels, more mature digital health companies that are taking the long road, working with the health system, really thinking through the, you know, the critical aspects of how you make sure that 
what um, you're doing fits in. So that's, you know, the whole Apollo 13. Like, I think that's a metaphor and an approach that's hanging true, which is a blessing. So now in my view, I mean, it's about staying focused. We've got many millions of people to help. So we have to just keep running on exactly the path we're on. Don't deviate, stay true to our mission and try to scale as quickly and as big as possible. What's that mean? How do you, how do you do that? I want millions. I want my, what I saw the company is we need tomorrow's epidemiologists 10, 20 years out to be studying what happened and why there was a bend in chronic disease outcomes that they're seeing at the national level and dig into it and have a funny book. What happened? I want people to unpack the data. Like, oh, whoa, that was a MATA. That to me is success. Like actually frustrates people. Are you proud of what you've done? Oh, yeah, of course. They're like, <laughs> like, to be honest, you add up our membership and our, you know, our biggest competitors. We're, I mean, we get spotlights, like we're, you know, we're a known entity in, in enterprise healthcare. And I'm like, it's a statement on how poor we as a country are at supporting metabolic disease. Uh, you know, that there's a lot of interest in what we're doing. We're, we, we, um, we, we're not ready to claim victory or even close to it yet. The, the country, most people are really focused on how to, you know, treat the outcomes. Do you think about the inputs like preventative health? How, Cause this feels like a type of thing that can be quite preventative too. Cause like, imagine if you had a way to say like to people, cause I think it's represented in your, your homepage right now. It's like, mm-hmm. so let's say you don't have a disease state. You just want to be more proactive. Like it's, whether it's longevity, whether it's a lot of people care about longevity. I'm 40. So I know like a lot of people my age are now thinking like, man, like this, I'm falling apart a little bit here. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah. Longevity, fitness and wellness. There's certainly a lot of people there. I mean, youth and beauty, like you could market that way to youth and beauty. Do you see a place where Amada is going to be like a health tracking, some type of service, but it's also for like preventative care? Like, do you think that's ever going to happen or? Well, I mean, for us, I mean, we need to stay true to, you know, our roots, which is the clinical, you know, care provider. And in order to stay true to those roots, we have to make sure that we have a specifics on what health outcome we're working to achieve. Sometimes counterintuitive, I think the idea of prevention and the concept and the wording can sometimes be harmful versus helpful. And I'll kind of share what I mean by that. It's kind of in this, the construct of the healthcare system and the mutable like laws, like the whole healthcare system is oriented toward problem solution. What's the diagnosis? What's the pathology? Like what's the intervention that gets a solution and outcome? So use diabetes as an example. You absolutely could and accurately communicate. Our models of diabetes, we have a huge diabetes prevention offering. You'll get more understanding for the system if you say we intervene for people with prediabetes or early metabolic disease. You're preventing diabetes. <laughs> yes. But you're framing it as look, there's an abnormality, which is true. You have elevated sugars. That abnormality correlates with a high level of prediction that you are going to progress to diabetes left unsupported. So our goal is to identify that and intervene such that that progression does not happen. You either call us a treatment company for prediabetes or a prevention company for diabetes. The treatment company for prediabetes better fits into the operating mold and the operating kind of cadence of the U.S. healthcare system, but it gets you the exact same end state. So I think that anything we roll out that has those ilks will be specifically tied to what we're going to achieve for someone because that's kind of requisite to our identity and our commercial model. There's going to be a lot of ways to solve this problem. This problem, like we already talked about, is massive here. What are you, I guess, most excited about, whether it's Omada or it's someone else making something? You mentioned some of the prototypes. Like, what are you getting really excited about? Like, you can see on the horizon, this is going to really impact, you know, your product, health outcomes, just health in general. The, you know, big focus for us is as we've expanded our capabilities, thinking thoughtfully how they tie together. So that, that's, diseases that you, that's a big one. You might not think are, yeah, you might not think are connected or connected. So 
musculoskeletal example, I mean, you can deliver a lot of physical therapy services from afar. That's really correlated with diabetes in ways that you wouldn't think. So, you know, a lot of the, the next kind of generation capabilities we're fostering here at Amada are um, helping understand the connections between disease areas that were otherwise siloed. So, you know, depression, diabetes, very correlated. How do you think about supporting someone with diabetes and depression? MSK, if you have knee pain and we can help you lose weight in addition to physical therapy, you get even better outcomes. So when I think about the, the things that just really fires me up, it's, it's really the, um, it's actually the connection between conditions that I think hold a lot of the promise because in large part care can really feel operating in a, you know, in a, in a, in a silo and technology allows you to think through how to change that. That is very true. Sean, I want to say thank you for joining us today on IT Visionaries. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Sean, this is where we ask you questions, you know, a little outside of the realm of work so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. All right. You said you love computers, but you studied neuroscience. What was harder for you to learn? Uh, I think neuroscience. <laughs> Computers you learn by doing, you like, you hack, you play, you tinker, uh, neuroscience a little less so. Are you squeamish to blood? No, not at all. Have you ever witnessed or watched a doctor perform a surgery? Oh, dozens and dozens. Does it make you queasy, uneasy? It doesn't sound like it. Yeah, funnily enough, not in the least. <laughs> or orthopedic surgeries are probably the wildest if anybody's ever observed one. Why is that? It is an experience. It's like, it feels like carpentry. Like you're literally, there's drills everyone's shielded because like, there's like bone you know, shards like, right if you're yeah if you're listening and you're squeamish like yeah. plug your ears a little bit like blood spattering everywhere it's like it is a, it is pretty wild listen i remember seeing an episode i forget where on this I, it was discovery channel but like they were doing a brain surgery this is not orthopedics but it was a brain surgery they cut the dude's head off like a cereal bowl yep. i couldn't believe it i was like yep. this is what they do <laughs> exactly. i was like i think i'd rather die <laughs> yeah how about yourself for your health? How do you, what do you do to stay healthy? I mean, lately it's trying to figure out how to best exercise with a two-year-old. So like, it's been all about the jogging stroller <laughs> or I'll just like use her as a kettlebell and like do squats and like, it's kind of playtime. So <laughs> we all have our sins. Most people have a favorite food. You know, it's, you want to be healthy, but of course we all kind of cheat a little bit. What is your favorite thing to eat? If your doctor heard you, he'd be like, come on, Sean, you can't be eating that. I've always loved caramels. <laughs> like, <laughs> those are one where I have to protect myself from myself. Like I don't, you shouldn't buy a big bag of those and keep them in my house. All right. My main man, Sean, he likes caramels. He's playing with his kid. What else do you like to do outside of the realm of work? Do you tinker with technology, even though you're working as at a technology company? Cause we found like some CEOs, like they can't get, like they, they tinker still. Do you still tinker? Uh, oh no. I, I mean, I have to. Yeah, for sure. Like I either work on side projects, like with my wife, like we work together on this, you know, cool pregnancy app called coconut baby. I don't really spend a ton of time on it, but a little side business called Excel Everest. Like I build drones. I don't know. I just love to make things. So I don't even really care what it is as long as it's being created. Listen, this is what we find out about some of the most successful people out there in technology. They still, whatever it is, they just love to problem solve. They love tinkering. So if you're out there listening and, you know, we, like I said at the beginning, the IT Visionaries audience is part executive level. It's also part people new to the field and trying to learn and get some motivation. It's like never stop tinkering. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Totally. And you know, I mean, we're on a, that audience is a great, great culture of uh, tinkerers. So yeah, a lot of people listening are building, I'm sure. No doubt about it. Sean, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for sharing everything that you're doing. And hey, listen, what is the best karma, by the way? 
well, you know, I actually like the original craft, just the, like they're I'm end of one, but like the square. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, so it's not even like an exotic, like hard to obtain caramel, just the base. I don't mind them, but like my favorite really, it's like the childhood ones. I don't know if it's nostalgic, but like the square craft, you have to unpeel the plastic. Like those are, <laughs> there it is. John, man, thanks for sharing so much about what you guys are up to at Amada Health. I look forward to seeing all of the success as someone who has used virtual medicine. I've not quite had to use connected devices, but I can absolutely see how that would be significantly better for me than what our traditional way of self-monitoring, coming back, rechecking in. That's horrific. Let's move with it. If you're listening out there, interested, go check them out, omadahealth.com. Sean, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely honored to be on. Enjoy it. Enjoy it.